Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallum. According to Dartmouth College in Hanover, New Hampshire, the college is taking on a research project aiming to help blind and visually impaired people learn computer circuit design. The college's published paper is titled Tangible Circuits, an Interactive 3D Printed Circuit Education Tool for People with Visual Impairments. Here to talk about the work is the project senior researcher and Dartmouth assistant professor of computer science. Zing Dong Ying. Welcome to the show, Professor Yang. Hi, thanks for having me. Glad to have you here. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, I am an assistant professor of computer science at Dartmouth College, and my research is in the subfield of computer science called human-computer interaction. Well, it's a computer science stuff. Let's talk more about the research project that's working to help the blind and visually impaired learn computer Mm -hmm. circuit design. This project was recognized at a human-computer interaction conference. Tell us about that conference. Sure, yeah. So the name of the conference is Human Factors in Computer Systems, Computing Systems, and we call it CHI, C-H-I. So it is a top conference in HCI research. Um, it is also the biggest conference in HCI research. So every year, the researchers from around the world present their work at CHI and, and human-computer interaction, of course, and people work on human factor-related problems, new interface you know, technologies in many platforms like wearables, AR, VR, this kind of stuff. And accessible computing is an important part of the conference. And this is why we publish our work there. Great. Now, the Tangible Circuit Study talks about this special tool for teaching the blind and visually impaired how to work with computer circuits. What does the specific tool allow for the blind and visually impaired to do? Learn how to do this stuff? Sure, yeah. So it is a haptic and uh, audio feedback device that allows blind and visually impaired users to understand the circuit diagrams. So the device uses a low-cost 3D printed tactile model of a breadboard circuit, and we put it on top of a smartphone, so which is used for sensing touch and producing the touch screen. So when a circuit component is touched by the user, the phone plays audio feedback, detailing the name of the component, the position of the component within the circuit, and then you know, other details regarding its implementation. Now, what motivated you to choose this research topic? Yeah, so um, in, in this particular one, or in general, accessible computing, so I, uh, I have... Um, sort of like professional and personal reasons. On the professional side, um, what motivates us really to work on this line of research is the fact that, uh, you know, learning electronics and circuits are becoming increasingly important for STEM education and for maker movement, right? But most of the, you know, those learning materials and and tutorials use circuit diagrams to communicate the information of the circuits and how it is implemented. And obviously, circuit diagrams are not accessible to blind and visually impaired community. And the high bar of entry to learning electronics, you know, um, exclude this community from, you know, the STEM education and further high tech careers. So 
So this is why we want to work on you know this project in particular, um, this direction. Of course, on the personal side, my uncle lost his vision several years ago, and my daughter, who is five now, was born premature. She almost lost her vision, and it was a tough time when our doctor told us about this possibility. And uh, you know, as a computer scientist, I think you know there's something that I can do for the you know, blind kids and their family from work. So this is how I end up working on accessible computing. Yeah, I'm, I'm visually impaired myself, and I was born three months premature, and I started working on my first computer when I was really little. One of the first computers I ever used as a kid was one of those old black and white maps. <laughs> so why are the circuit web-based tutorials for novices not accessible to everybody? So, so if you think about a circuit, right, it is something that is tangible by its nature. Well, let's say if there's somebody who have never had a chance to feel what a resistor is like, it's going to be very hard to describe, you know, the 3D shape of a resistor using a screen reader. So in a second circuit, diagrams are not easy to understand, even with task description, because again, it is, you know, 2D in nature. It has the you know, spatial information of the circuit, such as how the components are laid out. It has structural information, such as how the components are connected. And of course, the geometry information, like the size of a component and the shape of components, all sorts of stuff. And none of this information can be easily you know, conveyed through you know, these existing web-based tutorials. Now, your tools allowing the blind to interact with the circuit board models that provide audio feedback when they're touched. What's this audio feedback? Are these descriptions? Yes. So basically, so when, let's say, let me give you an example. If a user touches a resistor, right? So the smartphone plays an audio feedback, tells the user the name of the resistor, which is, of course, the resistor, and the value of it, and how it is connected to the other components um, in that circuit. So it describes how the resistor is connected and to which port? That's right. Many of the current tools out there, they rely on a lot, a lot, I should say, on visual information for instruction. And that makes these tools difficult for the blind and visually impaired to use. While there are many accessibility tools out there, why don't most of them allow the blind to create accessibility tools of their own? I think this is a great, great question. Um, so it is the goal to develop tools to allow blind visually impaired users to create accessibility tools of their own. It is, it is clearly a goal. I think the challenger to create these tools is in that we do not have enough you know, designers, scientists, engineers who really understand the problem and how to correctly solve those problems. And the people, I believe, who really understand the problem the best must be someone coming from the you know, blind and visually impaired community. So in that sense, I think education is really, really the key. That's interesting. Your research at Dartmouth uses the inexpensive practice circuit board that the hobbyists and computer students can use. What's that design intended to do? Yeah, so the intention is to lower the entry barriers to circuit prototyping and to making and to, you know, uh, physical computing and many other stuff. So the breadboard um, is very easy to use. Students do not need to learn soldering to create physical 
you know, artifacts, which makes things a lot easier and accessible. And it becomes easier for students basically to start learning electronics and the circuits. Um, can you briefly tell us uh, some of the students and fellow faculty and staff who are helping you with this project? Can you tell us about them and their contributions? Oh, yeah. So, um, so this is the project. This particular project was led by my PhD student, Josh Davis. And then also I have another PhD student who is a second author on a paper, Toyin Wu. He helped on, on this project. And uh, so I, I think somebody who really, really we want to acknowledge is a colleague, a friend of me, Dr. Joshua Miali, who is uh, a blind scientist. Um, he's uh, um, a, a scientist from Amazon. He is um, in San Francisco and he spent like so many years working on this project called Blind Arduino to teach blind the community how to do circular prototype in this. So our project is very much inspired by the work that have been done by Dr. Joshua Miali. Have any blind or visually impaired users tried out these tutorials yet and what do they think yes yes uh, so uh, um, we have conducted a study with um, 10 blind and visually impaired participants to validate the effectiveness of this um, this work and, uh, and we have people um, from mid 30s to 60s we have you know even a retired professor joined us at the study. So in general, the feedback was positive. Um, so what we did was we asked our participants to um, understand a circular diagram using our device versus using a screen reader. And we found that our system allows our participants to better understand how the circuit is connected, what is the shape of the components, and so on. So somebody have never actually used an LED, but with our um, tutorial device, they can, they can sort of you know, understand what the LED shape is like, and then we have a task which asks them to pick up an LED from a bucket, actually. They were able to do that, even that was the first time they, you know, um, they were introduced to the LED. Now, after they work on these computer circuits, putting together all the little nodules and everything, the visually impaired can be able to put those back into the computer, right? Whether it's a Mac or PC, and get them to work. Not yet. That's our next step. Not yet. Ah. So what we are doing now, so this particular project, is to convey the circuit information to the users. And then, of course, the natural next step is to make circuit prototyping and all sorts of electronics and components more accessible to the blind and visually impaired community. So if you're thinking about it, it's, it's not an easy problem to solve. Uh, we have some clue how to solve it, but it's not an easy problem to solve. Thinking about a resistor, right? So reading the color strip of the resistor is important because this is how we understand the value of the resistor. And we have some idea of how to using uh, chip 3D and a 3D printer to solve this problem, but this is something that we're working on. We are conducting study, actually. Let's say our uh, blind and visually impaired computer users are pretty n much novices at this stuff, and 
They want to learn how to work on computer circuits for themselves and learn through your tutorials. Should they learn from other sources first as beginners or move right into this? So our goal is to let them move right into this. Um, our goal to design this tutorial system is to aim for you know low entry barrier. So and this is also the system that we hope that the teachers can adapt in the, in the classrooms. And this is all going to be in much more easy to understand language, correct? Exactly. That is That's our goal. good. Because I remember uh, some people who wanted to learn how to be amateur radio operators and ham radios. And to get that certification to use them and talk, they had to learn all those codes and all those numbers and letters. Mm. Lots to memorize. Yep. Um, so... As you've mentioned already, this design is intended to broaden the accessibility and inclusivity of engineering classrooms and the makerspaces by allowing the teachers and the instructors to create portable, cheap, and of course, easy to use tutorials. I understand that you, we, we talked about some of the visually impaired students who've liked this. I've understand um, that you've also spent a lot of time interviewing some amazing visually impaired engineers and students. These are kind of like your other reviewers before creating the new system. How did this process help you get this design right? Right, so in HCI, there's something we believe as a designer is that you know our assumption can be wrong. And uh, this is true in many situations, including design for the BVAC community. So as a sighted people, myself and my students, we don't have enough understanding of the challenges that you know people who are blind or with low vision is encountering, and of course their needs. We don't know, we don't really know if the solution that we come up with is really something that is going to work. So we really need to talk to our users who are the blind and visually impaired students and engineers. In this case, this gives us a bit you know, confidence about what we're doing is in the right direction. So we've heard lots of good reviews from visually impaired engineers as well. Um, now, are instructors already teaching the visually impaired um, the, about computer circuits through your tutorials in the classroom? We're not there yet. So and one big uh, problem that we need to solve is to allow practicing circuits uh, to be accessible, which is not really, because learning... Um, electronics and circuits is not just about reading tutorials, it's not about the reading textbook. It's a really, really a hand-on experience. And uh, in some, to some extent, getting the students to actually to really create those circuits, it, it's, it's going to create a much better learning experience than just reading the book, let's say. So reading the book is something that, you know, uh, we see could be well solved in the fairly near future and this, this is a part of the work that is published in this conference called CHI but more difficulty here is to make actually practicing those circuits more accessible and this is something that we're working on. I think it's very possible in the next uh, few years. In fact I'm actually writing a grant proposal to describe some of my thoughts in this space. Great. So what's in the future for this project? Right. So, yeah, as I said, I'm writing a proposal that is, that is a five-year proposal. I, I plan to submit it to NSF. So a lot of, lot of things that we Wait, plan to NSF, do. the NSF, the National Science Foundation? That's right. Okay. So 
uh, one thing that we plan to do next is based on what we have learned from, you know, blind or visually impaired students and engineers. We learned that there is a strong need to have our system as in, you know, inexpensive and ubiquitous as possible in a, in, you know, a classroom settings. So we must consider the situations where, you know, 3D printers are not available to the students or instructors. This means we need to make this technology available on those paper media, like swell papers. So there are many challenges to bring this technology to paper, and we will develop methods to overcome those challenges. And as I said, we're also working on technologies to make a breadboard, electronic components, like resistors, like motors, and also tools like wire strippers accessible to the blind and visually impaired community. So we have many, many projects that are currently planned for the next few years. So I believe there will be something really exciting ahead of us. Can you elaborate those on those projects a little more? Yeah, so the goal, of course, we have two major goals. So one goal is to make learning accessible. The other goal is to make practicing more accessible. So make learning more accessible is a part of the project that we published at Kai, and make practicing more accessible is something that we really want to do in the next few years, starting from now. So we want to use 3D printers to print, let's say, tangible, sort of uh, um, uh, marks to demonstrate, to illustrate what is the value of the resistor. So we want to create easy clip-on 3D printed adaptations on those tools like wire strippers so that blind people and students can easily use them. So uh, we did a pilot study, in fact, this morning, actually, one of my students actually asked um, his friends to use a white stripper. And we found that uh, that student who was blind um, was able to use a white stripper, but it took him about 50 minutes. So that gave us a lot of confidence that, uh, you know, it's possible for us to create the technologies to really shorten the time. Because for sighted people, it takes about you know thirty seconds for my students to do that. So how do we you know close this gap using very cheap technologies like three D printers? So this is what we want to do. Those three D printers do a nice job. They can make anything you want. Do you plan to present your study at any additional conferences? I know we've got the virus going on right now, but in the future, maybe in twenty twenty one. Do you plan to present the study at future conferences, maybe even some of the, to some of the uh, blind and visually impaired organizations? Absolutely, absolutely. That is the plan. So, um, so there are national-wise conferences, right, for visually impaired people. I look forward to that. I haven't actually participated in any of that, but uh, that's really, really is the plan. Where can our listeners check out uh, your study if it's available? Yeah, so I post my uh, all my research it's like in the paper version, in a sort of like in a, in a YouTube video version on my website and on my group website, and then also share my work on social media. So follow me on Twitter; you'll, you'll get you know all those updates. What addresses should they type? Okay, so I can send an email. Okay, you know what? Send me that email, and I'm going to post that on the Speaking Out for the Blind show website speaking out for the blind dot weekly dot com so then our listeners can check it out fantastic is there anything else that you would like to add 
Yeah, I would uh, like to thank you for this opportunity to share our work with you and the audience. And we always welcome student family to visit our lab. So come for a visit after the pandemic. Go up to Dartmouth College in New Hampshire and you'll find the lab. Yeah. All right. Professor Yang, we think that this project will encourage more blind and visually impaired individuals to get into high-tech careers. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website that's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org and my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says home speaking out for the blind where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to speaking out for the blind shows ranging from episode 94 to the present. You may also access the podcast feed at acbradio.org slash SOFTB. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. We are Friends in Art. An affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. We sing, compose songs and poems, play musical instruments, read and write books, paint pictures, and take photographs. We are playwrights, potters, sculptors, weavers, and storytellers. We are members of the audience and patrons of art museums. We celebrate beauty in all that surrounds us. We are friends in art. Join us in the art parlor for stimulating interviews, thoughtful conversations, and the latest art-related information. Coming soon to ACB Radio. And now a word from ACB's Executive Director, Eric Bridges. Well, hello. This is Eric Bridges. And I have the privilege of working with a really talented team in our national office in Alexandria, but also in Minneapolis. And I have the honor of working for a really passionate, dedicated board of directors that is looking to re-envision how ACB Radio comes to you, as well as the content. So I am excited for the future of ACB Radio, and thank you all for listening. The First Amendment reads, The people shall not be deprived or abridged of their right to speak. The odds are, the person you just heard is an African American. Because African Americans are twice as likely to suffer a stroke as white Americans.
That's twice as likely a stroke could rob you of the freedom to speak your mind. The freedom to shout from mountaintops. The freedom to tell your mother you love her. And it's twice as likely a stroke could take your life. Therefore, it's twice as crucial for us to do something about preventing a stroke. Learn how you can help beat the odds. Start by calling 1-888-4-STROKE or go online to strokeassociation.org. Join the power to end stroke. A public service message brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. This is ACB Radio, connecting the blind community. Connecting the blind community. 